0: Uh, the elementary kids are. Go ahead, you're free to be dismissed now. <clears throat> We're going to start off today's message with by watching a short video clip of a movie that I'm sure most of you guys have seen. And in this clip, we're going to see a man named Greg. A lot of you guys probably know him as um, Gay Lord Fokker. And he's put in quite an uncomfortable situation in an attempt. A lot of you guys are laughing. In an attempt to win over the parents of the daughter he's wanting to marry, he's asked to say the evening prayer um, um, before dinner. So let's watch this clip and see how it goes
1: over for Greg. Greg, would you like to say grace? Oh, uh, well, uh, Greg's Jewish dad. You know that. You're telling me the Jews don't pray, honey? Unless you have some objection. No, 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 no. No, I'd love to. Pam, come on. It's not like I'm a rabbi or something. <laughs> I said grace and many a dinner table. Okay. Oh, dear God. Thank you. You are such a good God to us, a a kind and gentle and accommodating God. And we thank you, O sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord you have so aptly lain at our table this day and each day by day. Day by day by day, oh dear Lord, three things we pray, (laughs) to love thee more dearly, to see thee more clearly, to follow thee more nearly, day by day, by day, amen. Amen. Oh, Greg, that was lovely. Thank you, Greg. That was interesting, too.
0: Okay, have any of you guys ever experienced something like that? Have you ever been asked to pray in public before, and it was just really awkward, and there was nothing smooth about it? A show of hands? Anybody? Okay, a few of us. Now, how many of you guys can say that you feel like that sometimes in your personal prayer life? You kind of scramble around. You don't know really what to do or what to say. You think you might be doing the right things, but you just feel completely just disconnected, like something is not working. anyone relate to that? Okay, definitely quite a few of us. Um, As most of you know, we're kind of taking a month or so to discuss um, just some spiritual disciplines in our lives um, that we can just put to use in just very practical ways. And two weeks ago, um, Bob talked about how these disciplines help us practice the presence of God in our lives, Uh, and the purpose of these disciplines is for us to be transformed from the inside out. And uh, as Bob said two weeks ago, he said, depth and intimacy with Christ doesn't happen by accident, but it requires an intentional pursuit. Last week he talked about the disciplines of silence and solitude, and in today's message we're going to um, examine the discipline of prayer. And it doesn't take someone very long to realize the significance of prayer once you actually start reading Scripture. Um, Just in the Gospels alone, there's uh, 17 different references just to Jesus himself praying. And if you were to read through the entire Bible from Genesis... Uh, to Revelation, you would find stories of people praying such as Abraham, Moses, King David, Nehemiah, Isaiah, Daniel, Paul, the Apostle, Peter, John, Mary, and tons of other people praying. You'd read stories of people praying together, stories of people praying alone, people praying at fixed times, people praying at any time. You'd read stories of people praying while they're kneeling, setting, standing, some praying out loud and some praying silently. All kinds of different prayers and different ways to pray And I would imagine, if you were honest, the Christians in this room, I would guess that we would all desire a more meaningful and focused prayer life. And I hope we can move forward in that direction today as we really examine this discipline. And I want to just set the record straight that I am not an expert on prayer. This is probably uh, the spiritual discipline I struggle with the most out of all of them. Um, If you were to give me a Bible or a good spiritual book, Um, And just some study tools. I'll be a happy camper all day for hours and just soak it in, read it, study it. I think I drive my wife crazy sometimes because my face is always uh, in a book, it seems like. But give me a Bible and some study tools. I'll be happy for hours. But if you ask me to sit still and pray, that is way more challenging to me. If you're like me, my mind just goes in a thousand different directions and I can't focus on the moment and what God's trying um, to teach me at that moment. And I can't even tell you guys how many conversations I've had with Bob about my struggle in prayer. and how, We've had so many conversations, and he's offered so much insight to me. When I told him that I wanted to teach on prayer, I'm sure he kind of laughed inside and was like, okay. But thankfully, we serve a God who uses very unqualified people to spread his word, so I'm going to give it a shot today. Um, before we get into it, I have a question, though that I want to get some feedback from you guys, and it's a very simple question. How would you define prayer? What is your definition of prayer? Anybody? Okay, talking to God. Any other thoughts? Just communication? Good, you talk and you listen. Good. Any other comments? How would you define prayer? Okay. I found a beautiful definition, if you want to put that up, by Ruth Barton in her book. She said, simply put, prayer is all the ways in which we communicate and commune with God. The fundamental purpose of prayer is to deepen our intimacy with God. And doesn't every Christian long for that? Don't you desire good communication with God the Father? Don't you desire to commune with Him, to share the deepest parts of who you are with God the Father. She had another good quote I wanted to share. She says, Prayer means letting God's creative love touch the most hidden places of our being. And prayer means listening with attentive, undivided hearts to the inner movement of the Spirit of Jesus. Even when that Spirit leads us to places we would rather not go. As, as she said, Prayer is just not a one-way conversation. It's two-way communication and just as in, you know, conversations with your spouse or your children or your parents, if you want to really know them, you're going to have to learn to stop talking. We would do well to learn just to shut our mouths sometimes and listen to what people are going through and what they have to say to us. And uh, Martin Luther uh, from the 16th century, I think he said it quite well, and he just said, the fewer the words, the better the prayer. And I thought that quote was so brilliant, I actually put it on my Facebook page. So for those of you that are my Facebook friends, you can go on there and steal that quote from me because it's awesome. The fewer the words, the better the prayer. And I have one more quote here. This is uh, from Richard Foster, the Celebration of Discipline. He said, in prayer, real prayer, we begin to think God's thoughts after him, to desire the things he desires, to love the things he loves, to will the things he wills progressively, we are taught to see things from his point of view. Now, if you notice in that quote, if you can keep that up there, that'd be great. Um, Everything in there has to do with us changing. It says, in real prayer, we begin to think God's thoughts. We begin to desire the things he desires. We begin to love the things he loves. We begin to see things from his point of view. And if you guys are like me, I would imagine most of your prayers sound something like this. God, help today just to be a good day. Uh, Help my kids to do good in school today. Help me to pass that test I have tomorrow. Help me to get that job promotion that I really need, God, so I can get that car that I really have to have, God. God, help me to get along with my employee that drives me insane every day. Probably most of our prayers are typical. It sounds, you know, something similar to that. And it's, you know, it's okay to give God our concerns. But if that's what 90% of our prayers sound like, which that's typically what 90% of mine sound like, it's going to be really hard to be transformed into the person God, you know, desires us to be. And we might, you know, we may start our prayer journey there with just simple prayers and requests, but the goal and the hope is to go far beyond that and to go uh, much deeper into the depths of prayer. So let's go ahead and get our Bibles out and let's... Examine what Scripture has to say. We'll we'll check out a prayer from the prayer master himself, Jesus. Open up to Matthew six. Matthew six nine through thirteen. It should be page six seventy two, if you're using a prayer Bible. Um, a, uh, sorry, a pew Bible. <clears throat> this is Jesus speaking to his disciples and those who are near him. Matthew six nine through thirteen Now, this is commonly referred to as the Lord's Prayer, and it comes from the most famous sermon in all of human history. It's called Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And after teaching on tons of different issues, he comes to his disciples to teach them um, how to pray. Um, now, look at verse 9 again, just real closely. Notice that the beginning, the beginning and the first half of that have nothing to do but just giving reverence and honor to God. So look at verse 9, It says, Our Father in heaven, which reminds us that he... Is all powerful. Hallowed be your name. He is holy and deserves our praise. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your will be done in every area of my life my family, my job, my relationships. God, I have these dreams to do this thing. I've been pursuing it for years, but if you have something different, and it might not even make sense to me, but if that's your will, let your will be done. That's hard to pray, and then after we put first things first, you know, we come to the, we see the first mention of just a basic life need, food. Says, "Give us today our daily bread." And then we come to this terrible part where we have to confess our sins, and then we have to forgive those who have wronged us. You know, it's, it's oftentimes a lot easier just to hold on to that bitterness and just look down on people. We have to confess our sins and then forgive those who've wronged us. And it closes with saying, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And Jesus isn't telling his disciples that this is the only prayer they can pray. But he gave them an excellent example that day. And I would guess that prayer sounds quite a bit different from the the prayers that most of us pray. Uh, Because when we start engaging in true prayer, um, it changes us. It changes our selfish motives and behaviors. It changes our sinful thought patterns. It helps center our heart. And uh, what prayer does to us is far more important than whether or not it changes our circumstances. That's really important. What prayer does to us is far more important than whether or not it changes our circumstances. It reminds us of who God is and who we are. Because he is the creator and the sustainer and savior of all of humanity. And we are just his creation. Puts things in perspective. It humbles us. It reminds us that he's in control. Prayer puts us in a posture of surrender and dependence on God. And the more we grow in our prayer life, the more we understand our need for God. Prayer is far more about what God is doing in us than what he's doing for us. And just the fact that you take time to acknowledge who God is... That in itself is a victory. The fact that you stop and say, God, you are holy, you are all-powerful, you are in control, that's a victory in itself. The fact that you're acknowledging who he is, that's way more important than whether or not all your problems in life go away. And another amazing benefit um, to prayer is that it gives us peace. Um, this is a passage you, most of you guys know. Philippians 4, 6-7 says this, Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your requests to god and the peace of god which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in christ jesus i'm sure that all of us desire peace that transcends all understanding peace that doesn't even make sense to our logical minds and the key to unlocking that door to those benefits is through prayer Um, I have another quote I wanted to share from Richard Foster. It says, prayer catapults us onto the frontier of the spiritual life. Of all the spiritual disciplines, prayer is the most central because it ushers us into perpetual communion with the Father. Real prayer is life-creating and life-changing. To pray is to change. Prayer is a central avenue God uses to transform us. And in preparing for this message, I was reading I was reading um, Richard Foster's book on prayer, and I came across a passage that I read probably in January, and I was just going through a really frustrating time in my prayer life. Um, I just felt like I could never connect with God. I couldn't focus when I tried to be still. I didn't know what to say or what to do, and I wanted to be this great man of prayer, this mountain mover of prayers. And I just felt like I was getting nowhere, and I was becoming like really discouraged had a lot of talks with bob about it um and i read this passage that i want to share with you guys and it was a just a really huge encouragement to me i hope it is to you as well he says we must never be discouraged by our lack of prayer even in our prayerlessness we can hunger for god if so the hunger is itself prayer the desire for prayer writes mary claire vincent is prayer the prayer of desire and in time the desire will lead to practice and practice will increase the desire when we cannot pray we let god be our prayer nor should we be frightened by the hardness of our heart prayer will soften it we give even our lack of prayer to god an opposite but equally important counsel is to let go of trying too hard to pray some people pray at the business some people work at the business of praying with such intensity that they get spiritual indigestion There is a principle of progression in the spiritual life. We do not take occasional joggers and put them in a marathon race, and we must not do that with prayer either. The desert mothers and fathers spoke of the sin of spiritual greed, that is, wanting more of God than can properly be digested. If prayer is not a fixed habit with you, instead of starting with 12 hours of prayer-filled dialogue, single out a few moments and put all your energy into them. When you have had enough Tell God simply, I must have a rest. I have no strength to be with you all the time. This, by the way, is perfectly true. And God knows that you are still not capable of bearing his company continuously. Besides, even the most spiritually advanced, uh, perhaps especially the most spiritually advanced, need frequent times of laughter and play and good fun. Okay, now we're going to transition into a time where we're going to get very practical. So when you came in today, you should have received a little handout it's called the Discipline of Prayer. Go ahead and get that out and get a pencil and pen ready because we're going to take some notes. Did anybody not receive one? Anybody? Could we get some people and maybe pass some out in the back? Uh, raise your hand if you didn't receive one. This is really important. Thank you, Lori. I'll give you guys a second so you can pass these out. Whoa, a lot of people didn't get one. What I want to do is offer you guys four different types of prayers and just different ways uh, to practice prayer. Um, Some of you might be familiar with these, and that's fine, but I I think most of us are going to find at least one or two of these probably just brand new and probably never even heard of these before. Um, You'll see that the first one listed there is called the Acts Prayer Model, and this has nothing to do with the book of Acts in the New Testament. Um, I came across this from a book called Too Busy Not to Pray from Pastor Bill Heibels, and here's how you practice it. Um, Each letter represents a word, and what you do is you spend a few minutes just practicing what that word represents. So, for example, uh, the letter A um, stands for adoration. And what you do is, right from the beginning of prayer, you just spend a couple minutes just adoring God, telling him, God, you are holy, God, you are loving, Jesus, you are gracious, you are righteous, you're pure, you're true, you're trustworthy, and so on. So you just spend a couple minutes um, just in adoration, just adoring God. And once you've done that, you come um, to the letter C, which stands for confession. You just spend a few minutes confessing your sin to God. And don't just say, God, forgive me because I'm a sinner. List uh, specific sins to God. God, forgive me for being bitter towards Billy or Bobby or Johnny. God, forgive me for treating my wife that way. Forgive me for being so selfish to my children last night. Forgive me for, you know, whatever it might be. Just list your specific sins to God and confess those to him. And after you do that, you come to the letter T, which stands for thanksgiving. After you've adored God, you've confessed sin, you spend a couple minutes just giving thanks to God for who he is, what he's done in your life, and how he's blessed you. God, thank you for your salvation. God, thank you for my family. Thank you for my spouse. Thank you for a church family filled with people that, you know, that love me. Maybe um, thank him for healing you of a sickness or maybe setting you free from an addiction that once held you captive for so many years. Um, whatever it might be, you just take a few minutes to thank him. Then, after you've done that, we come to the final part, which is S. And S stands for supplication. That means just, just giving your request to God. That's what supplication means. I think most of us typically jump into supplication right from the beginning, God, do this for me, God, put this fire out in my life because it's getting real bad, God, help this person, and so on. But the truth is, you know, once you've taken 10 minutes to adore God, confess your sin to God, give thanks to God, and then you get to your, you know, requests and supplication, our prayers are probably going to be a lot less selfish once we put first things first and adore him, confess our sin, and give thanks to him. So that's the Acts prayer model. Uh, The second type of prayer I want us to examine is called the breath prayer. And this type of praying is foreign to most of us who live in Western culture. Um, This type of praying, uh, the breath prayer, actually, um, it's traced back to um, uh, Christians in the East as far back as the 6th century. And just as, like, uh, taking in deep breaths can help someone calm down, Um, I took in several deep breaths before I got up here because I was freaking out because I don't want to just completely humiliate myself. So I I hope I haven't done that today. But just as it can can do those things, it can also be utilized within our prayer life. And uh, what you do in breath prayers is you just repeat a simple phrase over and over and over again. And something great about this type of praying is that you don't have to come up with some brilliant thing to say. Um, You simply just repeat a biblical phrase over and over and over again, and just do it in unison with your breathing. And the goal is to become so familiar with this passage and just natural that it actually becomes a part of who you are, that Scripture becomes a part of your being. Um, One of the most popular uh, prayers to pray within breath prayer is called the Jesus Prayer. You can look this up on Google. There's tons of websites on it. And the Jesus Prayer says this, if you want to write this down. Lord Jesus Christ... Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. So here's how you practice it. Just as you breathe in, just say the first part, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God. And then say the second part after you breathe it out. Have mercy on me, a sinner. And just do it, let the prayer just be in unison with your breathing. And there's a really cool quote, author Tony Jones. He shared a journal entry from a time where he was actually just practicing this type of praying just late at night. He said, as I lay there, just repeating the phrase, God's abounding love, God's abounding love, I simply became peaceful. I became very aware of each breath I took in through my nose. I could feel it going deep inside me, and there was nothing wrong with the moment. I felt like I understood just for a moment, a small fraction of God's abounding love. Maybe it wasn't even an understanding, but I felt God's love. And that was a beautiful thing. Something else you can think of, as you, know, as you breathe in, you can think of just you know, breathing in the Holy Spirit. Breathing in just the Holy Spirit just filled with love and compassion. And as you breathe out, thinking think of it as releasing full control to God. And that's pretty hard for a lot of us. Releasing your agenda and control over your life to God. You're giving it all to Him. And uh, if you want to write this down too, Psalms 23 uh, contains a lot of just really short phrases that are just excellent, that can be utilized um, within breath prayer. And then the third type of prayer we're going to look at, this is the most intense. It's called the prayer of the forsaken. And this is a prayer to pray during times of your life where you just feel completely disconnected from God, where it seems as though God has just almost abandoned you. You keep doing all the right things. You go to church, you tithe, you read your Bible, you pray, you go to your small group, but it's as if God has just turned his back on you. It feels like God has just abandoned you. And going through times like this, this time, times of suffering like this, is just part of the Christian life. It's Read the New Testament. Those guys suffered. Most of them lost their lives. Maybe you're suffering from a broken marriage. Maybe a, one of your children you know, has turned their back on God. Maybe you lost your job and you feel God just left you. Maybe your closest friend betrayed you. Whatever it is, you feel like King David did in Psalm 22 when he wrote this. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, and am not silent. And during times where you feel like this, I know some of you guys are going through this. That's why I picked this one. I know a lot of your stories. I know some of you guys feel like God has just turned his back on you. When you're going through times like this, I think one of the best things we can do is open up the Psalms and just read some of the lament psalms, and let them be your prayer. These psalms um, help us express our disappointment and our struggles, but they also give us hope that God will deliver us, and that He is our strength, and He's going to see us through this time in our life. You know, and it's important to know, you know, if we recognize that we're going through a time like this, it's important to consider where where these dark times lead us. Do dark times in your life lead you to sin or do they lead you to the cross? You know, do you turn to the world to fix your problems when life gets too hard to bear alone? Think about about Jesus. When he was forsaken, you know, he could have turned to bitterness, but instead he turned to prayer. He had his best friends, some of them betrayed him, they denied him, and he knew he was going to die that night. He had all the right reasons to become filled with bitterness. But he turned to prayer and he asked God, he said, forgive these people because they don't know what they're doing. Not only did he not become bitter, he asked God to forgive these people for what they were about to do, to, you know, about to kill him. That's insane. That kind of love can only come from God. We can let our dark moments lead us to sin and we can let them lead us to Christ. I have just um, one last quote I want to share, kind of just praying scripture, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, the most promising method of prayer is to allow oneself to be guided by the word of the scriptures, to pray on the basis of a word of scripture. And if you're going through a time like this right now, um, I want to encourage you to read just some of the lament psalms and let them be your prayer. And I have some that I would recommend reading if you want to write these down. Um, first one is Psalm 22. Psalm 22. Second is Psalm 31. Psalm 42. Psalm 57. Psalm 71. And Psalm 142. And then the final type of prayer I want us to examine is journaling. This is prayer. Pretty self-explanatory. I don't really have to go into this one much. You simply write down and journal your prayers. Uh, you don't always have to verbally speak your prayers for God to hear you. You can write them out, and he sees those prayers too. You know, and he hears those prayers as well. And um, this last Thursday, I took Bob up on his challenge of spending an hour in solitude. And what I did was, for the majority of that time, I actually just journaled through the Acts prayer model. So I spent 10 minutes just adoring God. God, thank you for your love, for your, just for your compassion, for your grace. Thank you that you're true and just. Then I spent about 10 minutes um, just confessing specific sin to God. I just wrote down just a bunch of my sins. It's probably a long list. Then I came to about, I spent about 10 minutes just thanking God. God, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for your love. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my family. Then I came to the supplication part where I just asked God to help me prepare this sermon so I don't completely embarrass myself on a Sunday. And I was actually in my journal, so hopefully that one came true as well. And one of the benefits of journaling, I guess a couple of them, is that when you're writing, it's really hard to think about something else. If I want my sentences to actually make sense, I have to focus on what I'm trying to write out and focus on my prayers. It helps me stay focused at least. And this has been definitely the most beneficial um, just discipline of prayer that I've applied to my life this year. And then just another benefit of journaling is that, you know, you can look back on your life years down the road and be like, oh my gosh, remember when God met me at that time back in 1994? Wow, I remember. That was horrible. But God saw me through it. And it's really cool too, this past month I've opened my journal up and shared some entries from some just close friends who I knew were kind of struggling with some things that I'd been through back in like 2008 and 2009. And I just read my journal to them. And that was so encouraging to them to be like, wow, you went through this too. You know, like what, how did you get through this dark time? Well, let me read my journal to you. So that's really cool to show that with your friends too. So as we just come to an end here, here's my challenge this week. Um, Our goal is for each of us to spend 10 minutes every day practicing one of these prayers. And I want you to pick one that you've never done. So for me, it's definitely going to be the breath prayer. Um, pick one that you've never done before and just get into a rhythm of doing it this week. Um, if you want to change it up down the road, that's, that's totally cool. But for this week, just pick one you haven't done and just focus on that one this week, that type of prayer. And if you choose uh, the prayer of the forsaken, I would encourage you guys just to read a different psalm each day. I, I gave you guys six or seven. Just read it out loud and just let that lament psalm be your prayer. So instead of taking on one hour, one chunk of time, we're going to take 10 minutes each day. So if you set your alarm for 6.30 a.m., set it for 6.20. If you go to bed at 10.30 p.m., go to bed at 10.40. Or if your schedule allows you to find an extra, you know, find a free 10 minutes in there, you can do it in the middle of the day. That's fine, too. But like Bob said, he said depth and intimacy with Christ doesn't happen by accident, but requires intentional pursuit. So let's be intentional this week as we pursue Christ through prayer. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much just for your great love for us, God, and just for how much you desire intimacy with us. God, I pray that every one of us would do our part, Jesus, uh, to pursue you. God, this week, uh, through uh, through the discipline of prayer, uh, you desire just deep relationships with us, and I pray that we would uh, desire the same thing, God. I ask that you would change us this week as we practice your presence through prayer. God, I ask that you would give us patience each uh, each day as we seek you through prayer. Let us not become discouraged um, and just give up, you know, when things get difficult or we just feel just disconnected from you. God, help us just to be patient and just be consistent, God. Um, I pray that you would help us just to press on and continually, God, seek you out in every moment of every day. Help us create Space God, and create time in our lives, just, just to put you first and pursue you, God. And just please hear our prayers this week in Jesus name. Amen. once't you guys go ahead and stand with us we're going to close with uh, one more song.